You're listening to the Patriot Nation Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Pat's Nation podcast. Pat is on uh, he's on vacation right now. He's somewhere down the East Coast. So it's me, Matt St. Jean, here hosting tonight. And I got Taylor Kyles from CLNS Media joining me. How you doing tonight? I'm doing awesome. That intro was fire, man. I was bumping over here. It ended. <laughs> I was kind of disappointed. That was nice. <laughs> yeah, you know, we, we upped the uh, production value since you were last on here. We're taking this thing to the next level. It's impressive. I'm digging it. Yeah. We're going to be talking about all kinds of Patriots stuff, previewing the draft, looking at the offseason here. Uh, before we do that, a reminder, we will be live for the first round of the draft next week. Uh, it's going to be Pat and I and a whole bunch of guests. We're still figuring out a lineup, but come by, hang out, and uh, we're doing a hat giveaway. We're, we're giving away one of the NFL draft hats, so I think make sure to, to comment on our live stream to enter if you want to get a hat. It's a nice hat. Did you see them this year, Taylor? I have not. I'm going to go on Google real quick. Let me check it out. Yeah, they're not bad. And while we're talking aesthetics, um, some point tonight, Arizona Cardinals are also unveiling new uniforms. Thank the Lord. It's about time. Those those were some of the worst in the NFL when they first came out. Yeah, which is saying something because the ones before that were even worse. So I don't know if they're (laughs) going to like triple down, but I hope they're going to be wearing something that makes them easier to watch because, geez Louise, I don't know. What's going on with what they've been wearing for the past decade? Or they they look like a they look like what a high school team would pick out of a catalog at the moment. So that's, this this, is, this will get the parents in the seats. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you see the I uh, see the draft hat. I did see the draft hat. That is pretty fly. And the Patriots yeah. usually get some pretty rough ones too. It's like they don't know what to do with that logo a lot of the time. This is no. Like this one. It's an odd. It's a logo that looks good on a helmet and not great in a lot of other. Standard applications. <laughs> yeah, Nike Nike doesn't struggle with a lot, but they have not known – or I'm sorry, New Era. New Era. They're good, but they they struggle with flying Elvis. But uh, they did a good job this year. So, hey, people, tune in. Get this hat, huh? It's not, yeah, I've got to get one of those hats. Gotta, I, might, I might order one for myself here. I, I think I might need to add that one to my collection. But enough about hats. Let's talk hats. And I think we'll start with the uh, the news we got today. Kentucky quarterback Will Levis brought in for one of these these top 30 visits for the Patriots. Taylor, what are, what are your thoughts on this? I don't think that's one many people saw coming. It's not one that moves the needle for me a ton. One, because he's projected to go way before they even pick, so it's unlikely that they take him or even have the option to. If he were to fall to them, I mean, if they are in love with his skill set, which I'm sure some teams are because he's the prototype in a lot of ways in terms of his physical makeup and the arm and – you know, having enough mobility to be a factor that you can you know, rely on a bit in the running game. He's not like Lamar Jackson or anything crazy like that, but he's more in that Josh Allen mold of if you let him outside the pocket and he gets out of steam or in those short yarded situations, he can be pretty dangerous. Um, but in terms of what the Patriots tend to look for in a quarterback, I think there's a lot of inconsistencies with his game. Now, he had a foot injury last year. Um, he had completely different supporting cast between his junior and senior year, which included different offensive co- coordinators. So in his defense, you know, I'm sure it wasn't easy for him to try to find consistency in college as a starter. Uh, But at the same time, there are a lot of things that are alarming enough 
And frankly, I personally, when watching him, don't see enough from a mental perspective. Whereas like a Dorian uh, Thompson Robinson is more of like a late round guy who I think has the mental makeup to be someone who could become a much better NFL uh, player than he was in college. If you refine some of the mechanical things like with him, it's you can tell he has good touch on the ball. He understands what pitches to use in certain situations. Like he has a feel for the position. That's pretty intrinsic. And that doesn't scare you. It's just, he'll do a lot of things well. And then the ball, just spray miss like not even close because his feet aren't lined up, which is pretty common for a lot of the college quarterbacks that aren't going to be in you know, like top five conversation. So with Levis, I don't see that as much. Sometimes I'm not sure he's necessarily picking the right club for the throw he's trying to hit. Uh, there's times where I'm not totally sure that his mental process is where it would need to be if he were to make like full field reads at the NFL level. Um, maybe there's games that I haven't seen. I just haven't seen it consistently enough for me to say, oh, I understand the interest from New England. For, so that was why I thought it was more, this is a guy who we want to know more about who we could end up playing this season, if not in the near future. And someone who was just dealing with so much change in the past two years that they want a better understanding of, you know, how is he physically? How healthy is he? What is he seeing when he's making these reads? And, you know, what are what is his mental makeup? What's he like personally? Just get him in the room and get in a feel for what the guy is. Whereas someone like maybe a Bryce Young or a CJ Stroud, as far as we know, doesn't have as many question marks and are easier to project. Uh, so with yeah. Levin, it was one, like I said, it doesn't move the needle because I'm not convinced they're actually going to take him in the first round. Um, and they have more pressing needs, I think. But that said, I'm always an advocate for taking quarterbacks. It's like quarterback and receiver right now. They're too valuable to pass up on someone if you think you have a good value, regardless of how uh, strong your situation is. Obviously, the Patriots – you know, it's not set in stone yet. You, you think Max the starter, but he's got to prove it. Um, so interesting that he was one of their last top 30 guys on the final day of those visits. But I, I don't think it means much in terms of their quarterback situation or what they necessarily think of it. Yeah, that's kind of my read. I think that it's just somebody that they want to learn more about, especially like you mentioned, they may be playing him this year. Mm-hmm. And especially if he, if he lands with the Colts there. <laughs> Yep, which I think is go. at this point a very likely landing spot. If I had to, if I had to put money on it, so I mean we'll see what happens there. And we know this is a Patriots team for years that has made money on trading for first round picks that didn't work out somewhere. Yeah, let's say we we it's a it's a year later and Levis hasn't worked out and Mac Jones hasn't worked out and he goes on the market. Now you know you have more information and you know whether or not you'd even baseline be interested depending on price. So more information never a, a bad thing. But I, I'm right with you. I don't think this is. I, this seems like one of those things that's going to get clicks and headlines because it looks crazy, but it has nothing to do really with Mac Jones. Agreed. At this Agreed. Point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we also had uh, Matt Groh's press conference mm-hmm. earlier this week. And the thing that stood stood out to me about this, uh, a lot of Zay Flowers questions, a lot of Zay Flowers love from him. I'm kind of at a point now where I'm almost just assuming Zay Flowers is going to be the pick at 14. On Are you kind of in that same headspace? Yeah, honestly, in my mocks, I keep <clears throat> I keep trying to trade from 14 and get them some more capital in the middle rounds because I think I think the first round, you know, if they really that's why I think Zay's the guy. Just to start off with that, I do think that at 14, he's the one they're going to pick because there's a lot of teams in that area who could use another receiver. Like I was saying, I think if there's any trade that they pull off in the first round, it'll be the 16 with the Commanders because the only team between them are the Packers who could use someone like Zay Flowers, you know, give Jordan Love as much weaponry as possible. Um, And they lost a guy who they rely on over the middle and Tanya, I believe. So, you know, it wouldn't be crazy to see them make that kind of pick, although they do have bigger needs. But if you're going to go all the way back to like 20, 
or somewhere in that range, that's where it gets a little more rocky. And there's teams who could very easily see selecting someone like Flowers. So I think they're going to get him with the 14th pick. But then I think I'm hoping they can trade down in the second and get themselves some more third, fourth rounders, because I think that's where a lot of the meat is in this draft. And obviously that's where the Patriots usually excel is getting those mid round picks to really create the foundation of their roster. Um, but yeah, Flowers, I don't even think they're going to trade back. I think that when it, he's going to be there. I don't think that's a question because if anything, it's going to be JSN is the first receiver off the board if someone comes off the field before Flowers. Um, and then he's going to be there. They're going to snatch him up. They've done so much work on him. They saw him at the Senior Bowl. They brought him in for a top 30 visit. Um, obviously, he's a local kid. So there's a ton of reasons that they should pull the trigger on top of the fact that he is a very easy to project into that Edelman role where he's mostly inside but could also project outside because of his speed, his ball tracking, his toughness, and do a lot of things for you with the speed that Edelman didn't have to be the kind of guy where it's more than – it's more of, oh, this is a consistent chain mover. This is someone who has game-breaking potential. Yeah, he has almost a little bit of Stefan Diggs in his game at points, or I look at Dion Branch. If you want to go for like the pass receiver comp, like that's who I see as somebody who can, he's small, but he can play outside the numbers. I've noticed Flower seems to be better on contested catches than you would expect for somebody of his size too. I mean, he's not going to be a crazy guy out there doing that, but he's just better than you would expect. And that's where it's like, okay, we can take him in the first round instead of the second. He does some of that stuff. Crow said, I just say he's a really good receiver. And I think I, I tend to agree with that. Uh, I am curious because they've done a lot of work with the receivers, Flowers, Quentin Johnson, um, Jordan Addison. I think they've, they've also seen Jackson Smith and Jake Bell, though I think that was kind of their smallest contingent seeing him at that Ohio State Pro Day. Mm-hmm. How do you view those receivers? And I think more importantly, do you have a feel for how you think they view those receivers? So if we look at the top 30 visits, which are the most indicative of who they're really interested in, um, like I think Levis is more of an outlier because just as someone who you really don't think they're actually going to take, um, which again is why I think it's more due diligence. But top 30 is where you see what positions, what players, what types of players they're really trying to target or do their research on. When you look at some of the guys that are projected to be taken in the top three that they had, Zay Flowers, Jordan Addison, and Jonathan Mingo. All those guys are three-level threats. They've got positional versatility, they're good after the catch, and they're competitive downfield. So I think that's the big theme you want, that you're seeing is they get the guys who can be moved around and aren't just, you know, it's not just a possession guy. It's not just a speed guy. These are fairly well-rounded players who can do a lot of things for you. And I've said, I think that Jordan Addison is probably their backup plan um, in the first round if they were to miss out on Flowers because he doesn't have the dynamic athleticism which is why I think his stock is probably going to drop, despite the fact he may be the best pure wide receiver in the draft. Now, Jackson Smith, the Jigba, I think, is the most quarterback-friendly. You know, he's that slot guy who's always going to come back to the quarterback. He's a big enough target. He's got great ball skills. Like, if you're throwing it his way, he's probably going to at least put you in a position where there's not a bad play, and probably more often than not, it's going to be a pretty good one. Now, Addison has more versatility. He can play a lot more outside and succeed. He's a true three-level threat. He's got just enough speed and explosiveness that he can take the top off on double moves and things like that. Although I think not to the level of like a Zay Flowers or Josh Downs or a lot of the other peers in that like top five wide receiver area. Um, So yeah, three-level threat, uh, multiplicity. And then a guy like Mingo who has the size and that's more like an X receiver body type, but he's also a good enough blocker that in college they used him almost as a tight end. Is like an offline yeah. guy in the box. 
Um, and that's something you're missing with a flowers where really you don't really want flowers at the um, as the Z really close to the box most of the time because he's smaller. Like I think if they ended up doing that, he'd be more maybe an RPO option where they put yeah. him on the backside of plays and it's more, okay, we're going to use the threat of your speed and athleticism to hold the backside of the defense rather than trying to put you in the front. So we'll see how that shakes out. But um, yeah, I think they, do, they just want the, a level of multiplicity from the receivers that they've definitely been lacking for a while. Yeah. You mentioned Mingo and Quentin Johnston to me. The two of those guys um, for athletic profile, they remind me a little bit of a Nikhil Harry or an Aaron Dobson in some ways. Like they fit into that mold of what the Patriots have drafted when they go for big guys, which I think is a little bit of a need here um, with, I don't know, Devontae Parker's there. They're really their only X receiver at this point. So I think that is a need. Uh, Obviously a, a lot of change on this offense. And I think a common theme you saw from the team talking to the press this week was that it's a clean slate for this season. Do you think that and the way things were in the locker room last year, from what we can tell, has any impact on, you know, Jacoby Myers going, Damian Harris, them letting Damian Harris go, John Smith going, or is it just a value thing for those players? I think Johnu, they had to move on. Uh, with Jacoby, that's just a weird situation. I really don't. I don't think that you get rid of Jacoby because it's a clean slate. Like he was a leader. Yeah. I don't think you want to get rid of leadership. You want to get rid of people who were not contributing. Like Johnny Smith, I'm sure he was a great teammate. He seemed like a good dude, but he wasn't doing enough on the field for you to say, okay, like this is someone we need to keep for this next regime, whatever. I don't think Jacoby Myers left for that reason. I think he he also just objectively, you know, we compared his and Juju's contracts at the time and kind of made it seem like more of a one-to-one comparison because the initial numbers look the same. Very different contracts. Jacoby Myers is making money. Juju Smith-Schuster could make money. So the Patriots said, okay, we can pay someone similar money, but he'd have to be very good and hit a lot of incentives to make what the Raiders are going to be paying Jacoby Myers, even if, God forbid, he were to land on injured reserve and not play a snap for them. So basically, yeah, Juju is going to make Jacoby money if he produces like Jacoby did in this past season, basically. Exactly. And just with all the pass catchers they have, it's not likely that's even going to happen. So when it comes to the clean slate, I think that's just to let everyone just breathe a sigh of relief of this is not like we don't have to do all this weird tension all the, you know, having to go behind, I'm not saying this is what they were saying exactly, but, you know, Mac having to go behind people's backs and talk to his Alabama staff because he felt like he wasn't getting proper direction. And you had receivers and linemen who were confused because the system was changing. Offensive linemen are getting terminology they never heard before. You had Jacoby Myers, who was the veteran most player outside of the offensive line on the offense, saying in training camp that he didn't really understand what was going on and that, you know, they were all trying to buy in to a bad system. So I think that's really the point of Bill O'Brien saying clean slate. It's just, you know, I'm a different person. This is going to be run. The ship is going to be run differently on the offensive side of the ball. And just to not just to give people the relief of not feeling like they're carrying all the baggage and toxicity from last season because it was toxic as hell and not having to deal with that in 2023 because it's not going to help them. It's like we've said, it's a lost season. As much as you'd like to go back and say, oh, we learned something from that, probably not going to know that you learned anything from last season until like well into the future because it was just that bad. Yeah, and you never really want to have to take a mulligan on year two of a first-round quarterback, but feels like that's kind of what the whole team has to do at this point. Now that they get a chance to add to what they have on offense, defense, coming up on the draft here in one week. I can't believe it's coming up that fast. What are your overall thoughts on 
what this draft class is like, strengths and weaknesses, and how does that fit what you think the Patriots' needs are coming into it? So it's kind of tough because I think there's a lot of, and I mean, like no dub, but there's a lot of good talent at the premium positions. So the first round, if I weren't so convinced that they were dead set on Zay Flowers, they would have just an outstanding wealth of options to go with with that first pick. There's a lot of really good cornerbacks at the top of the draft who fit what they want. A lot of guys who are six feet plus with size, length, press coverage specialists, guys with good ball skills. So it, it wouldn't shock me if there was someone like a like a um, Christian Gonzalez slips. I don't think that's going to happen. But it, I had like one draft where he slipped to me and I said on Twitter, it was like I found Mew in the wild. It was crazy. <laughs> um, but he's like, he's the kind of guy who completely changes how you can play defense because he can match up with anybody, take them one on one. You can scheme around him. Witherspoon is kind of similar. He's a bit smaller, but he, I think, we lacks in size. He makes up for with his play demeanor, his aggressiveness, his competitiveness. He's got good ball skills, fluid press corner. Um, so there's a lot of really good physical corners at the top of the draft. Now, I think the quality kind of dips in the second round. That's where you get like uh, Emmanuel Forbes. If they were to get him early in the second round somehow, he's someone I really like because not only does he have great ball skills, but the returnability is insane. And he's the kind Jack of guy Jones who, number two. <laughs> even honestly, I think even better because he's longer. He's, he's not as big. Like he's Jack Jones, like kind of adjacent because he has a significant lack of size. He's a wiry guy. But we saw last year how many games the Patriots were in were an interception and even an interception return completely changed the complexion of some games where the offense was doing nothing for you. So Forbes is a guy, you know, second round that I really like. Um, some thinking some other second rounders that they could have. Uh, Julius Brents is a guy with prototypical size. He's 6'4", he's long, got great athleticism. But then his kind of caveat is that he panics downfield a pretty good amount. And it's to the level where you start to wonder if he really would just be a better safety as someone who can read the quarterback and uses athleticism more in space rather than having to be disciplined in man-to-man situations. Um, then I think in the third round, you get a guy like Corey Trice, who's someone I think is starting to rise a little bit. But again, cornerback, I think, is really heavy at the top. And then there's a pretty steep decline, especially out of the second round. Offensive tackle, a lot of guys in the first round who I think fit with the Pats. Paris Johnson, you know, Peter um, uh, Skaronsky, who is phenomenal in terms of his technique, the best technician among the offensive linemen. Uh, Darnell Wright is my favorite. He's a guy who's advanced in pass protection, the best run blocker in the class. Uh, he's, he's a guy who I think just fits a lot of what they want um, from a tackle. Um, let's think of some other guys. There's, I'm losing myself. There's a lot of good offensive tackles is my point. And then that's another one where I think there's a pretty steep decline. Although in the third round, I think you can get some maybe developmental gems like uh, Blake Freeland, uh, Wanya Morris, um, a uh, Tyler Steen. Tyler Steen. Brian. Yeah. He's really my number one. It's him and Wanya are the guys that I'm really looking for in that third round kind of mold, maybe like late second kind of uh, deal. And then the receivers, obviously, like Gross said, there's a lot of different flavors. And as we've said, Zay Flowers is probably going to be their guy. But there's a lot of Zay Flowers lights in this class as well. Not a lot of bigger guys. You got like Jalen Hyatt, Quentin Johnston. Like those are the bigger receivers. Uh, Cedric Tillman, you know, some of the six-foot guys who can play more of the X receiver. But there's a lot of slot and Z guys who are quick, very explosive, run good routes, you know, just like big play threats that just don't have prototypical size that's probably going to have them end up in like a second, third, maybe even fourth round. Um, but yeah, just looking at the premium positions, the first round is really deep. I think the second round is the kind of place where you can let the value come to you. 
And then I'm really hoping in the third and fourth round, because that's where I think you're going to get a lot of value in terms of safeties. Um, I think Jordan Battles, one guy that's really very much been on my radar. Uh, Sidney Brown, if he lasts into the early third round kind of area. I think there's a lot of good depth to the middle to end of the draft in the edge department and on the defensive line. Um, I really like uh, Yasir Abdullah. I think he's a phenomenal playmaker. Uh, Billy Ami Fehoko, who they had for a top 30 visit, he's a good pass rusher, more of a tweener, but he's got some versatility in that mold for the Patriots, who are very good at using guys in that mold. Um, and then towards the end of the draft, I think you got some guards or some guys who were tackles in college that could probably transition to guard when the Patriots like a lot. They're guards who are former tackles because it means they got the athleticism. They're usually good pass protectors. And if they got attitude, then you really got something to work with. Uh, so, yeah, I think the trenches – uh, you got some depth towards the end of the draft, but the premium positions, I think there's a significant kind of fall off. And then there's a middle round to late where there's guys, you know, typically where there's some significant concern, whether it was, you know, uh, they came from a smaller school, maybe significant things that need to be worked on. So they have very niche roles. Um, so there's a little bit of depth there, but I think if the Patriots want to address their big problems, it's probably going to have to be early. And then obviously tight end as well. I think that's easily the deepest yeah. position in this class. You can go any round, and I think you could get somebody who's going to serve a role and be a legitimate contributor in year one. Yeah, there's there's two positions in there I think I want to talk about a little bit more. The first is you mentioned a lot of cornerbacks, mm-hmm. and I think that the secondary of this team is really interesting to me right now. So Devin McCourty, like he retired, and I feel like that has gotten very little press and has uh, impacted the perception of the draft needs of this team very little. Despite this guy, I mean, he's been a captain and a leader. He's been so good for so long. Do you think kind of Jalen Mills shifting to safety here? Do you think that's going to do enough? We talk about safety. You know, uh, Marty Mapu from Sacramento State is a guy they brought in for a visit. I know people like him, although he's a little bit more of a strong safety. Mm-hmm. Do you think they're set at safety? And they just need corners because they did just draft two corners last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. How, how do you see that secondary shaping up? It'll be interesting because I was researching uh, what the safety position looked like at free safety when McCordy either wasn't on the field or when he was in the box. So a lot of the time in sub packages like dime, you know, how they like to get like, three plus safeties on the field. Usually, unless it was nickel, where it's just two safeties, that's where usually you'd see Duggar was the other deep safety with McCordy was coming down. In any other package where Duggar's playing his box role, where he's either in the slot, he's a linebacker, he's, you know, down his strong safety, you'd usually see Adrian Phillips. And then behind him, it was usually Miles Bryant. Then you start to mix in like Jabril Preppers and those guys. So I do think that they could stand to have another body. And that's where I'm curious to see how they use Mills, because I think he's more of a guy where you'd want him in McCordy's old coverage roles. So, you know, if you're blitzing and he's the overhang guy who's in man coverage against tight ends or athletic running backs, you know, people like that, I think that's where Mills will fit in. And it gives Kyle Duggar maybe more opportunities to read the quarterback and make plays that way and more kind of like a robber rule where we saw Adrian Phillips. And then you see Phillips more on the back end as that true center fielder. But that said, I don't think Phillips is best used in that role, which is probably, again, where he would be most of the time without McCourty. So I wouldn't be surprised at all to see that be a position they address kind of in the middle rounds. But I personally didn't. I think I had free safety pretty high when Devin McCourty retired. But then the more tape I watched, I just had to bump it down because there's a lot of needs that they have that are immediate. And as as important as McCourty was, I think his biggest 
contribution was communication, leadership, uh, and consistency. Those are the big things. In terms of, you know, his athleticism, I think they can find that with other people on the roster if they were to draft a younger guy, especially in terms of run defense, where McCourty was really a coverage specialist and did his job in the run game, but wasn't really a plus player in that regard. Um, so they can get away with not um, like uh, aggressively addressing the safety position, I think. But at the same time, if they decide to take Jordan Battle third, even, you know, late second round or something like that, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, we've got we get ZTAC in the comments here asking, what do you think about Josh Bledsoe? Now, he's a the guy they had drafted. I had liked him at points as kind of a matchup guy on tight ends. I thought he had done well with that. What do you think about him? I didn't see a ton of tape on him. Um, I think he's solid from what I have seen. One of my memories I did have, though, that gave me some pause. And to be fair, this was the same thing with Adrian Phillips in this game. But last year when they were at New York, Tyler Conklin kind of worked him and Adrian Phillips pretty badly. Um, and Conklin's not someone you typically think of when you uh, picture receiving threats at tight end. Um, but again, he was young, lack of experience. It can be chalked up to that. But the players seem to have a lot of respect for him. Devin McCourty specifically called him out um, when people were talking to him on Twitter post-retirement about the state of the secondary. So personally, I just don't have enough to go on. But I like Bledsoe coming out of the draft. I think he fits a lot of what they like in their strong safeties and could be a plus contributor down the road. Um, and again, with what McCourty said, that just gives more room for optimism. But personally, you know, I just it's hard to say one way or another whether he's good or not. But I definitely think he's got potential. Yeah, he's going to have to earn a job um, yeah. in yeah. camp, but he's going to have an opportunity to, I think. So we'll see how he looks. And we talk about the secondary here. It does. I look at it. I feel like this team's going to have to play a certain amount of zone this year just with the talent there. And I don't think anything they do between now and the start of the season is going to change that. I think you're going to see them win in the secondary by mixing up coverages, by communicating well, by tackling well, by doing the fundamentals well. And if that's the case, then you can try to get a playmaker on the edge. Maybe instead win with your pass rush and have the secondary just be good enough to hold things up. I know there's a lot of good edge guys in this draft, so we'll see how that plays out. I want to switch over to the offense real quick, just because I've been meaning to ask you about this for a while. You had a tweet that I thought was interesting. Uh, I think it was on when you were looking at Dalton Kincaid. You said the tight end class has not wowed you as you expected. Mm -hmm. I know you also said there's a lot of depth there. So can you kind of marry those two comments? How do they come together? It's a beautiful thing about opinions. They can change and we can learn and we can grow. And I have seen the light. Um, I wasn't super high on them just because, like, you know, usually I'll get a quick look, especially if I'm trying to get an idea for a position. Uh, kind of just quickly go through guys to get an idea of, okay, this guy kind of excels here. This is where he fit, X, Y, Z. But with this class, a lot of the guys I feel like you need to do a deep dive on and really, like, watch play-by-play -play a few games to get a feel for what their games are like. Um, so for me, especially when it comes to tight ends, I think in this league, you know, having a good blocking tight end is fantastic. And it's uh, it's one of those things where it's like a great linebacker where the value is not very high and it's not the kind of guy that you want to spend an early pick on. But if you have one of those guys, it completely changes the way you play offense or defense. Now, my understanding at first was that this was a class that was pretty heavy on run blockers and a lot of inexperienced receivers. But then looking closely, even the guys who aren't, you know, the Dalton Kincaid type wide uh, type, uh, not wide type receivers where that guy's just a freak like he may be one of the best pass catchers period in the draft and even a guy like Michael Mayer who isn't going to wow you with his explosiveness but that dude knows how to get open and if he's not open he's got an amazing catch radius and really good hands where he's going to catch anything so you know that was kind of what my uh what my ceiling was and I was kind of comparing everyone to but what I was seeing a lot was there's a 
bunch of guys who are good blockers and don't catch a ton of passes or have like any of these crazy route trees where they're flying up the seam or anything like that, but they're very reliable. And at the end of the day, you know, as long as you're getting the right value for them, that's the most important thing is you want a guy who can contribute in the run game, be a solid receiver. doesn't have to be your second or third option, but someone who's going to make plays when they're there and be a threat when your receiving options are getting a lot of the attention. So that's a guy like uh, like uh, uh, Payne Durham, who is someone that I hadn't watched for a while. I really like him. Like he's someone where his blocking jumps out, but then he'll have a couple catches a game where you're like, oh, damn. Like there were, I forget who I was. Got some nice contested catches in there. Yeah. And then even his ball skills, like there was one touchdown he had, he was wide open, but the ball was way overthrown. Dude just puts a hand up and grabs it. I was like, okay, I see you, my dude. He had one over the middle where the pass was behind. It was kind of like the Gronk catch against the Broncos from a few years ago where Brady's oh. like, how the F did you catch that? Well, the quarterback <laughs> All time Brady nicked up moment right there. Oh yeah. And it was like over the middle, there were two guys in the area coming over him and he just, he didn't flinch, caught the ball and it looked awesome. I was like, okay. That's what you want. You know, it's like a who man where just make plays when they're there to be made and do your blocking. And that's all I'm asking for. But then I also did a deeper dive on guys like Luke Schoonmaker, who I wasn't super high on at first. But the more I watch, he's such a versatile blocker. His position alignment is really incredible. And he's more of like a like a Heath Miller type where he's going to, you know, he's a lot of sit routes. It's a lot of stick. It's not a lot of vertical stuff like that, but he is a good athlete. And you can see that he's probably going to be a better pro than he was a college player just because he wasn't at all the focal point of their offense. Not saying he will be in the pros, but he's got the skill set where he's a very complimentary player. Um, And there was one other guy I wanted to talk. Obviously, Washington, Darnell Washington is an absolute monster. He's someone who I don't think is going to be a good separator in the league, but it doesn't really matter because he's also just got a ridiculous catch radius. I think he is what – Patriots fans thought Jonu Smith was going to be. He's like the closest to that skill set I've seen in a while. He doesn't have the speed, but everything else that Patriots fans, again, like wanted out of Jonu Smith, that's what you're going to get in Darnell Washington. And then Sam Laporta, who's a guy that the first time I watched him, because what I was hearing was that he was a super flexible receiver because he lines up everywhere and all those things. And he was great for Iowa and really productive. I think initially maybe – I was expecting more of a Travis Kelsey, Dalton Kincaid type, where he's just super smooth and just looks like a big receiver. And that's not what he was. So I think that the first time I viewed him, I maybe just didn't uh, have a great uh, pers- uh, perspective on him. But once I did a deep dive, I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. This is a legit why with positional versatility. And that is a very rare commodity. And not only that, but when you have the track record of production and you see that he's not just running like the basic routes. He's going downfield. He's making impressive catches. He's got great ball tracking downfield. Like he's someone who I could see them taking with a second round pick and really being a difference maker for them, especially if they want to go with three tight end packages with Kasiki is basically more of a Z slot receiver type. Um, so yeah, initial viewing, I wasn't super high on this tight end class, but man, I had a lot of fun diving into them and I will say I was very wrong and I'm glad <laughs> that I was proven so because it's just more exciting considering this team is in desperate need of some youth at tight end. Yeah. And I think that's, I think this is a really good year for them to draft the tight end. I think it's a really good year for them to draft two tight ends, depending on how you view Gesicki. Uh, they have they have zero blocking ability in the backfield at tight end, or they don't even have a fullback on the he's roster. Not right? that bad. Hunter Henry's not that bad. He's not great. But, no, he's he's not that bad. but if he's your best option, you're gonna you're, you're gonna have. To be fair, he was uh, the best option the past couple of years. He has been. I don't think it's a coincidence that the offense looked better with uh, Janu out in week 18 with some of those running looks. Um, 
I'm asking to Johnny people, Smith to. They don't want to listen to me. I was trying to say. Asking, he's, he's asking Johnny Smith to try to block across the formation was just a nightmare every single time. And Henry isn't good at it, but he went full speed ahead, and that was enough to be better. Yeah, um, he just because he, that's I, the thing. When they got brought in, I remember thinking that I thought Henry was going to be the Y, and and Johnny would be more of the move guy. But then they came in, and it was flipped. And then Henry was dealing with injuries at the end of uh, 2021, then the beginning of 2022, where people thought he was just bad. And it was yeah. like, this guy fell off a cliff. And then we find out two months in, oh, no, he was dealing with significant injury. He had had a surgery. And, yeah, you're right, the guy wasn't playing well, but it's because he was coming back. And then you started to see he was more consistent. He's more of a blocker who's going to get in the way and kind of just do his thing. He's not going to dominate or anything. But at the end of the day, that's really what most tight ends are going to do. You know, If you want somebody yeah. who's going to block well, you're going to put another offensive lineman out there. So, well, I, and I think this team, the way it's constructed, could use like a, a who man or a yeah. Dwayne Allen type guy out there. Who it's just you want to you can you can have Henry in there basically full time at tight end, and you can go twelve with Gasicki when you want to pass, and twelve with whoever your other guy is when you want to run, and it just gives you a couple other looks. And that's a good way to ease in a rookie tight end into an offense too, because that's a steep learning curve, and it can take those guys a little bit to get acclimated. Gives them a defined role, but also expectations that aren't super high year one, and they can ease into it. So we'll see we'll see how they end up going. I know you're gonna have to run here in a sec, so we're gonna end this. And this quickly, I got a little would you rather for you some uh, some different draft options for the Patriots, just kind of to weigh the value of different guys. I picked the draft picks for these based on Dane Brugler's The Beast, which you guys should all check out if you haven't already. Absolutely. That's worth the one dollar athletic subscription, people. It's not that bad. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) it is. It's amazing. So definitely go check that out. So if you if you take issue with any of the values here of where I have these guys go and that's where it all came from. I'm going to start with the first one. Would you rather take Zay Flowers at 14 or Jonathan Mingo at 76? Zay Flowers. All right. That was you're not even entertaining the Jonathan Mingo nope. at 76. I, I like Mingo. Nope. Me <laughs> All right, that was easy. Uh that's that's looking at the wide receiver position. We'll go to defensive back now. DJ Turner from Michigan at 46 or Rajon Wright from Oregon State at 135. Rajon Wright. That's that's ins- I, I he's someone that I'm really hoping ends up being one of those like late round picks slash like UDFA guys who they just swipe up and becomes, you know, the talk of the town by his third season. Everyone's like, oh, man, the Pats did it again. I, I think he's <laughs> going to be that kind of guy. Plus, he fits what they need more. I, DJ Turner's fantastic. But I think uh, Rajon's someone who fits more of an immediate need. And again, the value there is going to be crazy. Yeah, and Rayshon, he's the one that guarded um, Jordan Addison, Addison. correct? Because yep. that was that was the first Addison tape I watched. And my take was, man, this guy's a first rounder. <laughs> yeah, I gotta. I, that's the thing. I gotta. I gotta break that down. That's one I want to put on my timeline. That was a fun one to watch. Yeah, so definitely, definitely go check out Taylor on uh, Twitter after that to go see that breakdown at some point. Uh, we're gonna stay on the defensive side of the ball here, but at safety, Brian Branch at 14 or Jordan battle at 76 Jordan battle. That's so easy. This is value, man. Like I, I do like branch, but with all the things they need, that's 14 is flower spot. I'm going to tell you right now, if you anybody at 14, I'm not picking him if he's not flowers, but, but also I do like battle. He's not as, I don't think he's as exciting a prospect for people maybe, but I mean, the guy was a captain. Uh, was he a second team all American. Do you remember or a first team all American? 
Don't remember off the top of my head. No. Something like it was one of the two. Like he his his resume is genuinely insane. Like yeah. just when you look at that, the fact that I'm sure Saban has glowing reviews. He's a smart player. And if you put him at free safety, he's just the kind of guy who's not going to make any mistakes. And at the end of the day, that's what you want. And then you get the leadership, yeah. you get the intangibles. I really, really like battle. And that's a, he's a guy, he's the reason I want to see them accumulate third round picks because at the one that they have right now, I could see easily taking him at the top uh, early on in the third. Yeah. By the way, shout out to the Panthers for helping them get that extra, that, that third rounder for next year from the Matt Corral trade up. Well, yeah, that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to come in, uh, come in handy there. Uh, another one, we're coming back to offense. Mm-hmm. Tucker Craft at 46 or Luke Schoonmaker at 76? Oh, it's value, man. I, I, I'm becoming I am becoming what I would have hated like five years ago where I'm just give me the value. But in every single one of my mocks, man, I always have this where it's Tucker Craft. And I'm like, I can just get Schoonmaker uh, yeah. the next day. Why am I – again, Craft is good, and he's someone who – I think he's not going to get a lot of hype because there's not a ton of tape on him unless you get that highlight reel where, you know, like he has the play in the snow where he catches up the seam and he's breaking tackles. Like he's a fun guy to watch. But again, like Schoonmaker, he gives you everything you need from a tight end in day three. That's that and yeah. with, with upside. So that's good with me. Yeah, and Kraft is uh, a guy, I think he was rumored that Alabama wanted him to transfer there last season. So I think there's some familiarity there. Here's the question. If that was – would you ever consider a draft that was Zay Flowers, Tucker Craft, Luke Schoonmaker to start just go all offense? And Yeah. I mean, I think my most recent mock draft, I had uh, Zay, and then I think I traded down in the second and got Sam Laporta. So I'm, I'm cool with them. Oh, no, my water bottle. The downside of heavy water bottles. They're indestructible, but they're very loud. Um, but, yeah, no, I would be very happy. I'm hoping in their first four picks it's at least two weapons, like two legit mm-hmm. Guys, you can put wherever you want and can give you a lot. So, yeah, man, if they went uh, wide receiver, tight end, first two picks, I'm not complaining. Just get a tackle. Do- Just get Steen or somebody. That's that's where I get screwed in a lot of my mocks is I wait too long for a tackle. But uh, Wanya yeah. Morris will hopefully be there. But, uh, yeah, yeah, get yourself yeah. some weapons. All right. Well, we got the last would you rather here, and we're getting the tackle in this one. So the, the first option here, Jarnell Wright at 14 and Josh Downs at 46. Or, okay. or, 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 okay. So that's that's the first one is that combo or Christian Gonzalez at fourteen. We'll say he falls and Derek Hall at forty six. Oh my gosh, dude! What are you doing to me? <laughs> Gonzalez is the only player, the only player that I'm just like him and Kincaid are the only two players where if they took them over Flowers, I'd be like, all right, fine. Darnell Wright just. Oh, it's so hard because I really do like him. I, I wish they could somehow find a way to get Flowers and right then. I don't care what they do for the rest of the draft. I don't even have to watch. I'm good. Um, but I'd have to go Gonzalez. He's too good. He he, In an age where like all these offenses are impossible to keep up with, he's one of the few corners where I think you put him on anybody you want, and he will at the least be competitive. Where you know he gets yeah. started five times, and maybe he gives up – three catches for like 40 yards, but there's also going to be an interception and a really good pass defense. And the catches he gives up are all going to be where he's right there. And the guy just made a play. Um, and then beyond that, it, if it was um, Darnell right at 14 or downs, I'm going downs. Downs is my wide receiver four. I really no. Well, so, so I'm saying, I'm saying the pairs though. So you got to go two offense oh. or two defense. Oh, oh man. Um, <laughs> 
Because it's Derek Hall there at 46 as the pass rusher. I'll go with the defense. I'll go with the defense. Because, like, yeah. think about it, you can get a tackle in the third, and there's a lot of those, like, mini mites at receiver. Like, get Tyler Scott or something in the fourth. You know, I, I think they could figure it out. Tank Dell. So, yeah, I'll go with – oh, yeah, oh, Tank's there. Uh, <laughs> I love him, man. He, he's one of those guys I feel like if you don't – like, I watch him at the beginning of the process, and then I just watch so many other guys. He kind of, like, got backed up in my brain. And I was like, let me just watch some highlights real quick just to remind me. He's so electric and fun to watch, I was, man. I, I, I was surprised that his testing numbers came back the way they did because I thought he was going to come back as a clone as Marcus of Marcus Jones. Yeah, but he, and, and it's, it's one of those reasons that you just don't pay super close attention to the numbers sometimes. Like, you can use yeah. them to maybe confirm things, but when you see that kind of thing, when mm-hmm. a player's tape looks like that and he tests poorly, relatively, sometimes you're like, all right, I'm taking the tester. Yeah, I'll take the tape. Especially if you're getting the guy on late day two or day three, which is probably where Tank Dell is going to go, you take the risk because you're not missing out on a ton. All right. I think that's all we got for this episode. Taylor, thanks for coming on. You want to let people know where they can find your work? Sure. Thank you for having me, man. Um, You can find me at tkyles39 on Twitter. Um, And then you can also find me at CLNS. And I'm still doing stuff for Pat's Pulpit over there. So just look up my name and those websites and I shall appear. (laughs) <laughs> definitely go check him out uh like i said at the, st- at the top we're going to be back next week for our live draft show hopefully taylor will be stopping by at some point we'll see TBD. yeah yes and we we may have a show between now and then we haven't figured that out yet maybe one more show before the draft once pat is back from vacation but that's going to do it for us tonight make sure to subscribe to the youtube channel and come here next week for that hat you know you want it Thanks, everybody, for watching.